everyone, and welcome to episode number 62 of the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media. And for the final time in the 2021 season, we say good day to Marlon shortstop Miguel Rojas. Miggy Rowe, how are you, my friend? Hey, Chris, what's up, man? Everything is good. Uh, just uh, happy to be uh, back on the rotation with you and having the opportunity to talk for the one last time during the regular season yeah. with uh, with our followers and everybody who's been supporting uh, the whole year. I think it's been a, a great, great ride. Well, everybody always smiles after your uh, after your episode airs because they just they feel better about life because you're such a good human. We got a lot to get to today. No guests, so it's just the two of us chopping it up, which is perfectly fine with me. I got to start with what hat are you wearing? So this is a, a, a collaboration with a, one of the the designers that I like the most, Fear of God. That's a, that's the name of the the designer. So mm-hmm. they make a collaboration with New Era, the, the same hats that make uh, the, the hats for the MLB. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's just a, a, a cool look. It's like wearing a baseball hat off the field. And uh, so that's, uh, that's what I go with. Today. But, you know, it's funny because Millar, for the 10 years I worked with him, uh-huh. he was like, Rose, you just don't know how to wear a baseball hat. Some guys <laughs> like you, you look great in your lid. I mean, you're, <laughs> you know, tops to tails. You're always dressed perfectly. But look at me. I, I've worn a baseball hat my entire life. I'm 50 years old and I still wear it shitty. Like you, I just you like don't... you like baseball hats. I, I I appreciate that that you always uh bring the fire with the with yeah. the hats. I think I think you're fine. I don't know I don't know what Milar is talking about. I don't know if it, it's maybe it just looks funny on my head. My face has gotten a little rounder again recently. Maybe that's it. I got to thin it out <laughs> a little bit more. Do a little get, extra cardio you get, and you then maybe get it the, back in shape again or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad, bad <laughs> visit with the doctor, but we'll talk about that later. Not, not a big deal. All right. So um, some interesting things for you. Uh, it kind of slid under the national radar, but it was a big story. I think in Miami was the fact that you got to your 500th plate appearance of the season. And that meant that your option for 2022 automatically vested. Um, how much did that weigh on you? during the year as a 32-year-old starting shortstop? Yeah, it did a little bit. To be honest with you, that's something that I always uh, keep uh, not as a pressure, more as a motivation for me to get to that threshold, you know? But uh, uh, one, one thing that I always put in my mind is uh, I didn't want to use that just as a, as a thing that I want to accomplish, uh, get to the 500 play appearance. I want to produce, you know? I want to be able to, uh, to show that I can still play shortstop you know, even if I'm 32 years old, I think I can I can still play short for a couple more years. And that's what that's that's my that's my biggest uh, motivation right now. My biggest motivation is to show everybody that uh, that uh, that I can still prepare for every single game and I can play um, the whole year round in shortstop and 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 being a productive shortstop. That's 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 my mindset. So for me, yeah, I mean. I, especially when it start to get closer, you know, you start thinking about it a little bit more and, and it, it becomes like uh, something else that you have to worry about. But at the end of the day, man, you know, like baseball uh, is a beautiful sport. You're going to have an opportunity to play uh, a day after day. And I think, uh, I mean, the organization has been great, giving me every opportunity for me to success and putting me in a great, in a great spot. So for me, I think I gotta I gotta say thank you to a lot of people from my from my family to the people who take care of me um, outside of baseball. Uh, my physical trainer in the off season, the the people that I go with and and work out, uh, Don Mattingly, the organization. Uh, I mean, 
so many people that are, that is around around me. So for for this option to best and actually uh, complete my uh, my three year deal that I that I originally signed. Sounded like an Oscar speech right there. That was pretty good. <laughs> like to thank everybody, the lighting people, the hair, the makeup, which I get it. I understand it takes a lot of people to get you through yeah. a full season healthy. I do want to share this with you. Uh, my 15-year-old son, Brady, has, has become a huge fan of, of you and, and everybody that's a, a co-host on the rotation. And I remember I probably looked up your vesting option beginning sometime in June or something. I was like, right. maybe right around when you got hurt. I was like, I wonder what his contract status is. And I saw the plate appearances to get the 500. I was like, okay, we started doing the math. So every day, Brady would say, okay, Miggy Rose in the lineup, good. And he's hitting at the top, so he's going to get at least four ABs. We were counting down the at-bats. Miggy, I'm telling you, he would be pissed when you were not in the starting lineup. He would walk down and be like, Dad, the Marlins are <laughs> fucking him. They're keeping him out of the lineup. He's not going to get the 500 plate appearance. I was like, slow down, bro. Nah, nah, nah. You, you know what? So uh, at the end of the day, you, uh, I mean, I understand the frustration from uh, from a lot of places. But, you know, this game is so so hard to be in there every single day you know you play sometimes you play 20 in a row and sometimes uh, you just have to take uh, your breaks here and there you know for us the players uh, you always want to be in there but there, there's some little things that happens behind the scenes that sometimes some, nobody knows so sometimes nobody nobody knew that I found my uh, a ball off my knee on Saturday and that's why I wasn't in the lineup uh, Sunday and Monday so uh, I mean I have to be uh, I have to just take care of my body and make sure that I'm if I'm in the on on the field, I have to be the best product that I can put out there, you know. By the way, when you follow a ball off your knee, that must hurt like a motherfucker. Oh yeah. Let me let me show you real quick so for everybody to see. Oh dude, uh, come on. How it is. That's that's how a uh, foul what? ball off your knee looks like. Are you sure that somebody didn't hit you with a hammer? <laughs> that's how it, that's how it looks like, right? So that's that's when uh that's when you have the problem with the sinkers, you know, sinkers inside, man, and you're swinging those balls thinking that they're going to be strikes and end up like on your, on the, on the, on the pinter of the bat, and then you foul it off right onto your knee. So um, I'm happy that I'm healthy, you know, because it was kind of, it was kind of worried. I was kind of worried about the, about my knee after the game. Yeah. You're lucky. Like it wasn't an inch to the left and like went right off your kneecap or something. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my God. That looked terrible. Yeah, uh, that's no, so uh, just just to put a little bit on perspective. What uh, I mean, sometimes people think or ask, you know, like not like fans, baseball fans sometimes don't get the full picture uh-huh. because of so many things, you know. And uh, I mean, fans out there, it's not it's not something against you know the the fans or they need they need to know everything that happens. But sometimes there there little things that keep you away. And um, the last thing that we want as a player is not being there. You know, you know how body feels when like you're in the dugout, right? Not playing that day. And someone from the stands scream like, Hey, why are you not playing? I came to see you play. You know, that's, that's, that's what made me feel the worst because I, I mean, everybody is, is doing whatever they can uh, to come to the ballpark, to pay a ticket, to, uh, to travel from whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you have a responsibility as a, as a professional athlete, you know? to um to play that game and that's that's what they want they want they want you to be in the lineup every day and and actually being uh being successful and and doing the right thing yeah well guess what here's what you do if you the next time you hear that you take a scissors to your pants (laughs) and you just walk outside the dugout 
and you start pointing to that nasty. It, that's not even black and blue. That's got some yellow and green <laughs> in it. I don't know what the hell you, you I think you're trying to do the color chart on your left <laughs> knee right now. Uh, yeah, you see, just point to that and you'd be like, and everybody be like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So, it, yeah, that, this is this is this is what is good about this window that we have, you know, in platform. You know, we talk about other stuff that people don't know. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 it's way bigger than just the game of baseball. So that's why this is important. And I feel like this is one of the best experience of my uh, like on of the media, my media career so far, mm -hmm. like talking to you open about what's going on throughout a whole year, you know, and you're talking to, you're talking to a guy who got a, a Tommy John surgery. You're talking to a guy with uh, multiple uh, shoulder problems during the year. You're talking to a guy who, uh, who have to skip a star here and there, you know, you're talking to a position player who is being like battling with a bunch of injuries, playing with a broken finger, playing with a, whatever it is. And that's what, I mean, make Heck this, yeah. uh, make this interesting. Yeah, that's what we're here for. Um, it, which takes me to my next point. Today on Baseball Today with Ploof, we talked about the amazing feat that Salvador Perez accomplished. So now he's got the single season home run championship for a catcher all time, mm -hmm. which is unreal when you consider the number of foul balls that guy takes, the number of balls in the dirt that he's got to block that bounce the wrong way. Guy, catcher's hands and feet are just gnarly. They're disgusting. Mm -hmm. And do you know that as of our taping date, the Royals have played 151 games. Salvador Perez has played in 150 of them. Yeah. And you know what don't surprise me is the number, that, the, the games that he's in there. And why is the way that he prepares in the offseason? You got to see this guy, man. All you have to do is follow him on on social media or or just get to get to know the guy a little bit and you will see the preparation and the work ethic of this guy have you know that's the only way that you can be in the lineup so many times being a catcher and just uh not not just producing uh offensively but uh, being a, one of the best catchers in the league you know like it's it's He's dealing with a uh, with a rotation, and he's have to be like good blocker. He's a good thrower, you know. And on top of that, he hit forty five homers, and now he he got the best the the, the best the record all time for a catcher with forty six. And he's looking for the for the record for a Venezuelan player to ever play baseball in the big leagues, and and uh, he needs to hit four more to get that. It's unbelievable, and and for me, just hat off to him and. His preparation, his work ethic are on match. Well, you guys are are close to the same age, I think. You, yeah, you, I think, we have a little I think bit he's on one it. year, one yeah. year younger, I think. Yeah. Did you, did you play with him growing up, or did you? I, I'm not, I'm not familiar, unfortunately, with with Venezuela and where right. people grow up and stuff like that. Did you guys grow up near each other? No, no, we're not. We 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 didn't. So uh, we're far away, like four hours away from. Okay. Uh, from each other we didn't play uh when we was growing up but we play in the minors i saw him in um, like in low a first and then i saw him in high a next year and then uh we didn't uh, with the reds i didn't face the the royals again but i finally i finally saw it in the big leagues and we were teammates in venezuela in mm -hmm. winter ball so i played with him he uh he played there just one year he won Rookie of the year, he won a batting title. He won a MVP. The same year, he won everything because uh, he was uh, just like above everybody else in the league, you know. 
great catcher, great leader. I mean, great guy, man. He's a funny dude, too. Oh, yeah. He'll, he'll keep you laughing. No question. So you say you haven't been to the Baseball Hall of Fame. We'll let the Hall of Fame come to you with the show Hall of Fame Connections. It's a 13-episode YouTube series with new episodes that drop each and every Wednesday. It looks at the Hall of Fame collections from a new and entirely exciting different angle. Each episode tells a different story of how two seemingly unrelated artifacts in the museum actually end up crossing together through generations. It's a two-part episode each Wednesday that features both the narrative storytelling element that weaves through the history of some of the museum's most iconic artifacts. And uh, it's hosted by my buddy from the MLB Network, former player Carlos Pena, and sports journalist Lindsey Berra, who, of course, is the granddaughter of Hall of Famer Yogi Berra. Hall of Fame Connections, it provides an exciting opportunity to engage baseball fans of all generations, directly linked to the Hall of Fame's mission of preserving history, honoring excellence, and connecting generations. By the way, support for this series, it was provided by Market New York Grant through I Love New York, New York State of Division of Tourism, as part of the Regional Economic Development Council Initiative. And to stay up to date with the release of each episode, Hall of Fame Connections, follow Baseball Hall of Fame social media channels at Baseball Hall on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube as well. You pride yourself on your defense. What did you think of the play that Jesus Sanchez made last night where he seemingly overran the ball, reached back, and caught it barehanded? No, you have to have some special skill set to to do that, you know? (laughs) It's funny because the the, the face that he made, and when he get back to the dugout, the first thing we ask him is, "What, what, what what was that, you know? What's going on? And like he catch it and you see it, he catch it just with his two fingers. Like he he was going to throw the ball. Like he catch it with these three fingers, you know? He didn't even use that, like the whole hand. He catch it like right here. He, he could have thrown a perfect throw to the home play after he catch a ball. He's crazy. Like I like I was talking to him about like those pop-ups because he had, he had the tendency of like running so hard towards the ball, right? But when those balls get air under, on that side, when I righty hit it, those balls are always going to come back, right? Especially in a ballpark like us, like it's a, it's a dome and you have uh, air conditioner blowing from like from the stands, right? And that ball is always going to come back to, uh, to the third territory when he, ha- he have a lot of air on there. So I was talking to him about that, but he keeps smiling at me saying that he, don- he didn't even remember how he, uh, he put his hand in, like out there and the ball just got stuck on his hand. That's, that's, what, that's literally what he said. It's amazing. We've seen it in, you know, over the years, David Wright made an amazing barehanded play when he was with the Mets. Uh, Kevin Mitchell, when I was a lot younger, um, you know, made one, I think it was in St. Louis against Ozzie Smith, where he was down all the way by the foul line had to reach back and caught it over his head. It was utterly insane. I can't imagine. Everybody was probably looking at each other like, did he just use his hand on that one? Did that did that just really happen? Is is that that that's the comment that everybody made in the dugout? It was like, like blew my blew our mind like right away when he catch a ball and I mean that tells you like how strong this guy is too, you know? Mm-hmm. Catching that ball coming down like that, he hit it like he hit it pretty decent mm-hmm. for the for the ball to be that far. Uh, yeah, here comes here's the uh, Kevin Mitchell catch against Ozzy Smith. This one mm-hmm. is just ridiculous because he's full speed sprint and he's like oh man that's peeling back over my <laughs> yeah he probably he probably felt like oh this wall is farther away from me 
I just, just keep running and say, oh, I got it here. So I need to put my hand up. That's great. Look at Terry Kennedy laughing his ass off the old veteran (laughs) behind the dish. Good work. Um, So I talked about you having tremendous pride, obviously, in your defense. That's what got you to the major leagues. Uh, Your hitting improvement is what has kept you here and made you an everyday major league baseball player. But you had a couple plays against the Pirates recently. Mm -hmm. And even one of our brethren here, one of our fellow co-hosts, Stephen Brault, texted me. He was like, dude, Miggy Rowe is just killing us right now. (laughs) how exciting is it when you make a great, great play defensively? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's uh, it's the best part of my game. You know, like I feel like when I'm when I'm play when I make a play like that, it's like hitting a homer. You know, just like it's, it was a runner at third base. He hit this chopper, and uh, if you don't play, if you don't make that play, it's a run. You know, it's like it's like hitting a home run. For me, it's like the same kind of feeling when you save a run like that, because uh, I mean, put put the team in a in a best position. And, uh, I mean, make you feel good because you're doing something to impact the game right away, you know? Those kind of plays are, like, for me, are more excited to uh, than, than getting a double with nobody on or, or something like that. So, for me, for me, like, defensively, you can impact the game a lot and, like, make the other team actually, like, uh, turn the momentum your way, you know? How important is it for you to make it as a finalist for the Gold Glove? Oh, no, it's, it's, it's everything. is huge. For me, it's what I always dream about, you know, I, uh, I always want to be like Omar Vizquel. Omar Vizquel got 11 gold gloves, you know, and, uh, for me to be that close last year and being a finalist and, uh, whatever happened this year, um, I would be happy with the season that I had, uh, personally, you know, like I made really good plays. I, uh, actually covered a lot of ground. I stay on the field other than, than the times that I wasn't, that I wasn't playing for my finger or uh, these last couple of days, but uh, I mean, I feel I feel proud of the way that I played different this year. I think I, I was solid, and being a finalist is 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 a step closer to uh, getting to the gold glove. You know? Yeah, dude, Which I, has been my dream. I want you to get that so that when we have you on next year for the and you use this as your backdrop. Oh yeah, that w- it, it would look good right there. Yeah, something's sure. get something's getting replaced. Let's oh, just yeah. put it That's that true. way. Yeah, it's funny. My dad um, was such a big Vis- uh, Vizquel fan because obviously we're we're big Cleveland fans. Right. He used to say that Omar Vizquel was a hundred RBI guy. He said he'd drive in sixty five and save thirty five. Now, obviously, back then we weren't talking about defensive run saves mm-hmm. and using metrics the way that we do today. Right. But I thought his point was great because he said, as a shortstop who wasn't a big time hitter, he turned into a, a solid hitter. Yeah. But you know, he wasn't going to drive in. 90 runs, mm-hmm. but he said he damn well could save you 30 runs a year based on his defense. I imagine that's the way you look at it too. Yeah. I mean, that's uh that's exactly what I just uh, described, you know, like when you, uh, when you save a run is as, as, as important for your team than driving in one, you know, sometimes it's even like even better because you're winning late in the game two one or something like that. Yep. And you have to make this play. Sometimes it doesn't have to be like a, a spectacular play. You have to be with uh, like being solid with your routines and and trying to uh, make every every routine play. You know that's uh that's what like winners and and the teams who winning do. You know sometimes uh, you have to have the balance in the lineup. Uh, a a team that it can it can go just out there and slog everybody, but don't play good defense. They're probably not gonna win as many games. So that's yeah. why the like uh, the, the central line. The, you know, second baseman, shortstop, center field, and catcher, they need to be solid on defense. 
Hey, are you like me and you got old sports cards lying around the house? You don't know what to do with them. I got a place you can check out. Greg Morris wants to buy your old sports cards collections. That's right. You got the old pieces of cardboard. You can turn that into cold, hard cash. So what is Greg Morris buying? Any older baseball, basketball, football, hockey cards. So we're talking about anything vintage that is pre-1980, even older than that. Pre-war cards, 1930s, tobacco cards, 19th century cards. If it looks old, Greg Morris wants it. They're going to take modern cards, too, especially the ones that have been graded by a third party. You know, PSA, Beckett, all those good places. To find out more and to sell Greg Morris, your sports cards collections, go to gregmorriscards.com. Fill out the form there. Somebody will get back to you and how they can give you cash for your old sports cards. Also, follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest updates. Once again, it is gregmorriscards.com. Sell those cards today and get some cold, hard cash. So when you were a kid in Venezuela, when did you realize like you were a a wizard with the glove. So I, I knew I had a, um, a, special, a special talent, you know, as, as a shortstop. Because uh, I was playing and I was like 10, 8, 10, 11 years old or 12 or something like that. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not comparing myself to other kids. It's just like the way that I was catching balls and making plays, I didn't see like other kids making, you know. So from that time... I, I got with a coach that challenged me to do something with my hands. You Have you seen this? Uh, I posted, I mean, I think a year ago, a video of me like catching balls off the palm of my hand, right? So I, I learned that really early in my, in my life. You know, when I was like eight, nine years old, a coach started challenging me, hey, try to do this. And he was really good at it. And uh, so the ball barely touched my glove and I catch it with my hand. So I think it's something that, uh, that I learned really early, that it, it, it tells me that, uh, hey, you have really special talent here or, or a gift mm-hmm. that you can use, you know? And I think everybody else saw it. And I wasn't like really a, like a 5-2 player or something like that. But that tool that I had, it take me to, uh, to what I wanted to accomplish, was, which was uh, uh, signing a, a professional deal. Got it. I always wonder. You know, how good guys are when they're younger. Um, So that's good. Good perspective. All right. One other thing that's amazing about you is that you are a uh, tremendous leader. So I am curious your take on what happened with the San Diego Padres. Now, I have to preface this by saying you're not a member of the San Diego Padres. You don't know about the relationship between Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr. So it's not fair to necessarily. But we all heard it. Because somebody had their cell phone out. So it, right. once again, here's how it all transpired. Let's give a listen. All right, so uh, for people that might be having a little difficulty hearing that, essentially this happened in St. Louis, and Tatis had a rough plate appearance, was apparently bitching and moaning uh, in the umpire's direction. Their manager had already been thrown out of the game. This is a critical series for them if they want to make the playoffs, and Machado starts yelling at him, it's not fucking about you. 
You know, get your head out of your ass. Let's go. You're the best player in baseball. Any problem with how this was handled? No, Manny is not wrong, you know? Like, he's uh, he's trying to keep his best player on the field. That's uh, that's something that you always have to do. And uh, as a leader, as a veteran in the clubhouse, and and as a guy who knows how much he, like how much it means for them to uh, to uh, to win the game and to win the series and having an opportunity to play for something bigger and for what you always like dream about, which is playing in the playoff and go to the, to the to the World Series and win a championship. You know, he uh, he actually did whatever of any other veteran will do and and a leader will do. You know, trying to keep the best player on the field. And he's not wrong about that. He's not wrong about that. He's being the best player in this game in this league right now. So they need they need him in, on the field. That uh, and and it's not just because of the Padres. Uh, I mean that 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 team it happens to uh, to every team. Remember earlier in the year happened with uh, with the Mets with a situation with Lindor and stuff. What's the difference? That nobody saw it. Nobody recorded anything. So now it's like the people wonder. But this stuff happens, happens to us in our team, in our clubhouse. You know what I mean? Happens to every team. I think every team who are competing and who are like, who have like 27 guys in the bench, they're going to have this kind of confrontations. The only thing is like, you know, right now, like cameras are on, everybody with a cell phone can record it. Like it happens right there, but I have no problem with that. That's, that's something that I, it's not going to affect like Tatis and Machado relationship, I'm pretty sure they they had a beer or, or whatever, a protein shake after the game, and they talk it out and their family, you know, like it's brothers. They're brothers and they probably they probably talk it out and and say, you know what? Whatever, whatever happens, you know it was for your best best interest. I'll I'll leave you with this. In baseball, during a baseball season, being a baseball player, you can't take stuff personal. If you, start, if you start taking stuff personal with your teammates, you're not going to be in a good place uh, with, your, with your mind. Because there's a lot of times where when a teammate for your best interest is going to tell you something in a way that you're probably not going to like, but you can't take that personal, you know? Because he's not, he, there's nothing against you. It's not about you. It's about the team at the time. You know what I mean? So I'd rather have a confrontation with one of my teammates to make my team better and... For this guy, understanding that this guy is not going to take it personal. Have you ever yelled at somebody like that? Oh, yeah, definitely. And you someone yelled, yelled at me the, the same way. And it, it was probably not the, you know, the right, the right time or people say, oh, there's a better place. I mean, there's no better place. It, it, it needs to be happening right there, you know, because that's, that's where a situation was about to happen. If he got thrown out of the game, there's no more. Yeah, that's it, you know. There's no, there's no screaming. There's not nothing because it's, it's already done. It's already out. But yeah, I mean, I done it before, and and I mean, no, like no repercussions on anything. Yeah, it's, it's like if you gotta fight, you fight or whatever, and then, I mean, you gotta you gotta talk it out and hug well, it out. You you don't you don't have to tell us who it was, but do you remember what you yelled at somebody for like that? No, it was like probably kind of the same between the same lines. Like get the head out of your ass. It's not about you, you know. Let's let's stop let's stop that over there. Or I I I remember it was the the time that I that I got like that. It was because of um. So one of the things that I always say in, in, on the teams that I'm that I've been on is so no excuses, right? 
And it was about an excuse on a pitch that the guy throw 1% of the times. You know, with all these numbers that we got right now. Mm-hmm. So you, you always find the, the scouting reports on the pitcher. And mm-hmm. the pitcher is like, okay, let's say Scherzer is 45% fastballs, 47% sliders, uh, 3% uh, curveballs against righties, 1% changer, right? So this guy got the 1% changer and got a strikeout, right? And he came back to the dugout saying that, Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that he got a change. Yeah. Start getting kind of on the, on the, on the hitting coach. Oh, why did you tell me that he was going to put me away with the change? Yeah. So I thought that was like, that was, that was wrong, you know? And I have to tell the guy, like, I have to let him know. The excuses are not going to be, um, actually, they're not going to be accepted. You know, you should have known that this guy has something, even if it's a 1%, it's not on, it's not on anybody else. You know, it's on you. That's your career. You need to know what's, uh, what's, the, what's this guy have. And even if it's a 1% change, I don't care. Like you strike out, you have to take it and you just have to continue to play. So it was, uh, it was something between, um, between those lines. Did he come up to you afterward and he was like, you're right, my bad. I mean, we, yeah, we took it out and actually like it was a learning experience for not just for him and me, but for everybody else, you know? From that day on, like nobody else, like nobody else complained about, you know, like having to having to strike out on a on a weird uh backdoor sinker or something like that that this mm-hmm. guy threw all of a sudden, you know. They're they're trying to compete and sometimes they're gonna make shit up, you know. So you said you got yelled at before? I can't imagine you getting yelled at. Well, yeah, I mean, uh I think uh I think my my situation was uh I'm not I'm not excusing myself or anything. It's I didn't run. So uh, I pop up to first base or to third base and I thought the ball was foul and I didn't run oh. to first base kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. You, you the, lost the guy it. Catch you, the ball. you thought you'd fouled it off. Yeah, I don't like, I'm, I'm, that's not an excuse. I should have run anyways. If it's close to the line or whatever, uh, you, you run and then whatever happens after, if it's a foul ball, you come back and hit, right? So yeah, I got yelled out by, by, by a coach one time and they took me out of the, they took me out of the game. Say, hey, Shea's not going to fly here, you know? I'm not, I'm not going to take it personal. He was right, you know? Was this in the minor leagues or the major? No, no, it was in the big leagues. Oh, my God. They took you out of a major league game because of that? Yeah, it took me out because I didn't run to first, to first base in a pop-up. That's, that's how it was, man, back in the day. Oh, damn. I bet you from now on out, you're like... <laughs> yeah. Even if, even if it's in the stands, you, you're running. And then if you're, if, if you're not sure, you know? Like, sometimes you know the ball is out of play and you're not going to yeah. be, like, running and wasting everybody's time. But yeah, I mean, that's a situation where like, I mean, you learn from and you know, you know, for a fact that you can take a personal with this guy and say, oh, this guy's an asshole or whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know, he don't like me. I don't going to like him back or whatever. I mean, do you know, the guys do take it personally. It's hard because they do, man. They do. It's hard because we don't we don't have that in in our line of work. Like when you work in this business, it's part of the reason, in my opinion, that television or sports media executives don't do a good enough job because they're so afraid of hurting on-air people's feelings that they don't want to tell them the truth. Mm-hmm. Like for whatever reason, our business is terrible at coaching people. You know who loves to be coached? Former players that eventually get in front of a camera. They love right. it. They love to get coached hard. They're like, what do, what do you want me to do? And people are like... I don't want to hurt his feelings or her yeah. feelings. No, no, shit. They've been coached their entire career. Right. You know? Right. 
No, you're right. A hundred percent. I feel like, I mean, if you can really take it, like this is not for you, you know, because mm -hmm. you have to make mentally tough. And I mean, you have to, sometimes you have to ask the, the tough questions. And I mean, that's, that's how it is. Hey guys, uh, we know it's not an easy topic, but let's discuss it like adults. We've done it before. We're going to do it again. If you need help with any form of ED, GetRoman.com is the place to help you out. Uh, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all in the privacy of your own home. It means no doctor visits. means you don't have to uh, get any sort of prescription and go to a pharmacy. They actually send it to you. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work to find you the best treatment plan. As I mentioned, if medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. Uh, getting started, it's real simple. GetRoman.com slash John Boy now to get 15 bucks off your first month. Once again, it's GetRoman.com slash John Boy. You get 15 bucks off your first month. Go take care of this so you can take care of business, if you know what I mean. Okay, so uh, I know that in years past, you, you've been allowed to manage, right, at the end of the season? Yeah, I did one time. Are we – is that going to happen again? Uh, well, knowing, knowing Donnie – uh, the only way that I'm probably going to do that this year again is if the Phillies doesn't have a chance to make the playoff that last game of the year, um, I probably do it. I don't know if he's going to give it to someone else because he gave it to me before. And he's a guy who always like give, give that opportunity to different guys that, that thinks they're, they're going to have a, like, uh, like a long career, like JT Riamuto did it, Martin Prado. Uh, Juan Uribe in LA. Um, someone else did it here in Miami. I think, I think it was Jeff Mattis or something like that. Uh, okay. So with my, in my like in my career with Donnie, I I get to know uh, Donnie pretty well, and I know he always do that. So he actually like give like gave me the opportunity against the Phillies in Philadelphia a couple of years ago, and he he let me do everything like talk to the media that day uh leave the whole the whole day you know like a, a manager for a day kind of thing make my own lineup like under some circumstances you know he gave me like okay this guy's out uh this guy is is, is doing this or this picture right. he's gonna go just a couple innings or whatever it is and then you pick your own stuff which is cool you know like let's say this year if i got the opportunity i i'm probably gonna pick uh Sandy Leon is going to be my bench coach. Heck yeah. Uh, Got to go catcher as your bench coach. You have to exactly. have a catcher as your bench coach. Exactly. So I'm probably going to have, um, is Sandy Alcantara is not pitching that day. He's going to be my, my pitching coach because it's like, he's the, he's our, our ace and the uh -huh. older guys in this rotation. It's crazy. You know, he's, he's, he's 26 yeah. years old and he's the <laughs> older guy. <laughs> so that's, that tells you how, uh, how, how young this, uh, this team is. And, uh, and he lets you run the game, man. And it's fun. It is, uh, I mean, nerve-wracking nerve for the first time. I was like, the game was moving fast for me, even when I was in dugout, you know? Can you explain that? Because yeah. this is the slowest game on earth. And I yeah. say that as a, as a diehard fan. But it's not zing, 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 zing. Exactly. People always say when they move up, if, if the manager gets ejected or if the manager's out for a couple of games, whatever it is, and they move up a seat, they're shocked at how fast it moves. Yeah. What the hell does that mean, Miggy? So, okay, this is this is what that means. When you're when you're managing a game, right? Okay, let's say, let's say you're a fan trying to control the whole thing, right? So you all you all you have is two eyes, and this is all you can see. 
whatever is happening in front of you. You can see what happened in the bench. You can see what's happening in the cage. If someone is getting ready to hit or not, you can see what's happening in the bullpen. All you have is right here. And whatever you're watching is what you're like controlling, right? You're controlling maybe the, the pitchers, the pitches that what was on, you know, like the umpire, what is he doing behind the play? You're putting signs to the third base coach. So for me, it's all about trust. If you don't trust your, your personnel, you're, you're done. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be moving way too fast because you're going to be worrying about so many things at the same time. And that's when you start missing things, you know? You have to be on top of every single pitch. And then when a runner got on first base, you have to put a sign, an offensive sign. And then let's say it's, a, it's an inning where the pitcher can hit four in the inning. So you need to translate with your, with your bench coach and tell, hey, this lefty might hit here. But if they bring a lefty, the righty needs to be ready. We need to get someone going in the bullpen. So that's why so many things happen at the same time when the game gets to those crucial innings, mm -hmm. like the four, the fifth. Um, you got a guy working on the bullpen. You got two guys getting ready to hit, maybe double switching. And then on top of that, you have to be able to like put a hit and run on or a bunt or... or oh, stop. We don't hit and run and bunt anymore. Well, That's enough. I mean, you know, like, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like maybe three, one count, uh, you're running or not running. Three, oh, swing or not swing. So those are the little things that are sometimes you actually forget, you know? It's a three-o count, shit. and the third base coach is looking at you, and you're like just watching right here. You watch just watching the game. That's <laughs> where the game like speed up on you, you know. That's fun though. I'm so fun. happy that he does that, and I, you know, I hope that more teams, because I've I've said it ever since I first met you. I was like, that's a future manager. Is that what you think about? Yeah, definitely, a hundred percent. I feel like different ways that I can help an organization get better at uh, I mean being an infield coach I can be uh, uh, I learn a lot man about about positioning about uh, analytics uh, I think uh, about work ethic and and preparation for the game uh, I play all four positions in the infield before so I know what I, I what I want to be talking about especially laying games how to guard the line how to hold runners on on place so I think infield kind of is my is Maybe. my strength but uh yeah I, uh -huh. I would definitely like to manage you want to manage you want to manage as long as I will tell you this man and I you don't need me to tell you it's a grind dude it is a 12 month it's not you're not playing for seven yeah and then go chill with your family it is 12 months a year. You're dealing with a lot of bullshit. You got to talk to the media before and after every game. Every game. You're the fall guy, even when the lineups are made up top. You know, it's why did why did Mickey Rowe make that stupid decision? Why mm -hmm. did why did he put that pitcher in? Even though it might have been decided before the game, this is kind of what we're doing. It's a lot of stuff, man. Yep. No, yeah. And I, I mean, that's that's gonna be uh that's going to be the experience that you never have, you know, like you never have experience when you've not done it before. Even when you've been with like a lot of good guys. I, I, I remember a couple of years ago, I started, I started asking Donnie, what is, what is your best, your best advice as a manager, you know, and uh, who gave you the best, the best advice? Uh, he talked to me about Buckshaw Walter. He talked to me about Joe Torre. He talked to me about uh, so many guys that help him um, 
shape the way that he is, you know? He still follows his heart in whatever he, he, feels, he feels is right in the game. But at the end of the day, you're not shaped by just who you are. You're shaped by so many people that help you get there. And like I say, a manager is not just the guy who's, uh, who's there with the face, you know, and doing this to the catcher or the pitcher. It's a whole group, you know. You have to have a strong and solid uh, coaching staff that help you get to where you want to get. Because if you don't have that, it's impossible. I'm telling you, like sometimes the guys behind the scene are the guys who are oh, yeah. helping you be the manager, that, the best manager you can be. Having a good pitching coach, you know, like a pitching coach that you that you know, hey, whatever he do, I, I go with, you know. I asked Ossie Guillen. Ossie Guillen was a good manager and he won a World Series. And he didn't make one pitching move. He let the guy decide who's pitching and whatever. He has to take the responsibility after because like you say, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna say it was you making that move, huh. but he never gonna, you know, throw this guy under the bus and say, "Oh, I don't care. He's a pitching coach." No, he's gonna take the responsibility, and I think accountability is uh is huge in in that role. So you're the leader of a really young team. Do any of those guys know what a badass Don Mattingly was as a player? Uh, I think they have an idea, but uh, they're not they're not fully, you know, on onto uh, onto the track of uh, the Don Mattingly career because he was a, he was a bad man. Dude, he uh, was a, he's one of those borderline Hall of Famers, and I hate using that term because I think people hear borderline Hall of Famer, and they're like, well, if you're borderline, you can't be there. Right. But, you know, before his back injuries and stuff like that, he was just unbelievable. Both mm-hmm. sides of the ball. I mean, I've, I've seen very few first basemen that could rival him defensively. Nine, nine gold glove, huh? It just so good. I mean, he freaking yeah. played third base one day as a lefty. Mm-hmm. You know, and they tried to bunt on him. He's like, "Yeah, good try, mother. Good luck. <laughs> that ain't that so, shit ain't gonna work." Yeah, Donnie. That's that's one of the, the the most special things that Donnie like bring to the team as a manager. You know, he's actually your best coach. You know, he can he can actually help Lewin Diaz at first base, lefty, tall guy, skinny. You know, Dominican kid that is have a great hands. But Donnie put him in positions that he's going to be even better. He's going to have, like, I mean, a great chance to be, like, really, really good defensively. And then offensively, he give you, like, really, really good tips on the play, too. You know, like, what to look for this guy, what to do in these situations, you know. And that's that's sometimes that's what guys and and players on that team they don't, they don't take advantage of, you know, just because, you know, he's a manager or something like that. He was just, I'm telling you, dude, they, they had bobblehead day recently of Don Mattingly and he's just that crouch. And then you just explode. And it's amazing because look at all the empty seats at Yankee stadium. Yeah. You know, he got there right after they made the world series in 81. Right. And then he checked out right before they went on their run in 96. And it, I have very little sympathy for Yankees or Yankee fans, but I always did for him because I always felt like he played balls to the wall mm-hmm. every game. Every day. Oh, he was so good. God, he was so special. Yeah, I, I wish I could have. I wish I could have watched him play uh, more. I was I was messing with him the other day because uh, he's, he's sixty, but he looks like he's forty five. Right, forty years old. You know, 
he told me that I, he thinks he's a, in a better shape right now than than when he was playing. So yeah, uh, well, you that know tells why. me a lot about the 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 guy, the work ethic, and you know, trying to you know, trying to stay in the game. Well, he, he you know hit the reset button on the old family thing, so that'll that'll keep you young. You know, he's exactly. got. He's got kids that are older, and then yeah, he's got one that's younger uh, that's younger too. So yeah, you you might be sixty, but you better get your ass running around the house too. 100%. Keep yourself in shape there, no question. Um, two tremendous honors for you yet again: Heart and Hustle Award for the Miami Marlins. More importantly, you are the Roberto Clemente nominee for that team. You got to wear twenty one on Roberto Clemente Day. What does all of this mean to you? Yeah, well, starting with uh, with the Hard and Wall Hustle Award, um, a great uh, another great opportunity to uh, to to show uh, not just myself, but uh, I mean everybody in the organization and guys coming from from the minor leagues. That I mean, you want to lead, you gotta lead by example. You know, you got you you gotta continue to. Uh, I mean, put the effort every single day. I don't care what kind of season you have or 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 what talent do you have on you or the, the ceiling that they put. You just have to just give me your effort every single day. And that's that's what I that's what I do. You know, every single time that I got the opportunity to put my uniform on and step between those lines, I'm gonna give you everything that I have, regardless of the results. Then talking about the Roberto Clemente Award coming from Latin America and having the opportunity to play this game and like live my my dream, which is playing in the big leagues and having the opportunity to be in Miami, which is uh, uh, the diverse of of cultures that we have here. And uh, remember, actually, the life and the legacy of Roberto Clemente and who he was, not just on the field, but off the field as well and the way that he died. And the way that he uh, he went out of his own way to help people, I think that's what one one of the most important awards that that someone can receive. You know, I will never take for granted this opportunity to represent an organization being the Roberto Clemente Award, not just for what you do on the field and just for being Latin and representing Miami, but what you do off the field and trying to help and impact life. So. I mean, it's everything. I'm not going to tell you that uh, that uh, I, I dream about being a Roberto Clemente Award winner or nominee, but having the opportunity to receive that when you're not expecting anything is the best feeling in the world, man. It doesn't surprise me. You know, I have, I have the good fortune of working in both sports. And over at NFL Network, I work with a couple of guys who are Hall of Famers and Kurt Warner and LaDainian Tomlinson, both of whom won the regular season MVP award as well. Kurt won it twice. They both were named Walter Payton man of the year, which is essentially the, the Clemente award in, Mm -hmm. in the world of the NFL. Okay. They both say they value that award so much more than being named the best football player in a season. And they say it's not even close. And people probably hear that and they're like, nah, you gotta be full of shit. Like, no, they honestly feel that way because they understand the platform people have you know, when they're entertainers or athletes. And it's one thing to say you can utilize it. It's another thing to do it. And I, I was so proud of you. And that's why I FaceTimed you that day. I was. Yeah. You know, I, and I appreciate that call. And I appreciate that. I mean, that, that, that make you happy, make, make me happy as well. Because uh, that, that tells you how it is uh, for 
how like how much that means for for players like me that yeah when you're having a good year and you're having like a, a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. kind of year you're expecting to win something you know you're expecting to get you know you get a lot of recognized uh, and a lot of attention about MVP uh, um, home run king um, batting title or whatever it is but when you do something from the heart and you're not even thinking about it you know like you're not thinking about like, okay, I'm going to do this because I want to win the, the award. It's the best. And I, you can ask the, the winners before. You can ask uh, McCutcheon. You can ask uh, Nelson Cruz. You can ask uh, Cookie Carrasco. You can ask those guys, and they're going to tell you the same, that it doesn't matter what happened on the field. I mean, this means so much just because I'm, I never did it to win uh, an award, you know? And that's mm-hmm. what is, uh, is good and, and really cool. And I want to say congratulations to all the the other 29 nominees that uh, it's going to be really hard to decide just for one, you know? Yeah, I don't I, I don't know how you do that. I mean, I, I think the fact to narrow it down to one, you know, nominee per team is that's a chore as well. And then to have to pick a, somebody who wins or is named the recipient, I think it's just it's a tremendous challenge. But uh, a tip of the cap to you, sir, and to the other 29 nominees. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, let's see here before we let you go two other things give me your NL MVP vote right now is it a matter of if the Phillies or the Padres make it because it seemingly is down to those two yeah I, f- I feel like it's uh, Bryce Harper and I'll tell you I'll tell you why uh, Bryce um, he's been doing so many so many things for that team uh, lineup wise you know Remember, I, I mean, I faced, uh, I faced the Phillies 18 times a year, you know? I have the opportunity to play against, uh, against Bryce so many times. Guy, you have to look at the numbers. And I, I know he got hit in the face, you know? Mm-hmm. He, got, he was out for a little bit because he got hit in the face early in the year, maybe in June or something like that. And I talked to him after that. Talked to him how, how difficult it was for him to, to, uh, to regroup after that hitting the after that ball that, that he took on the face and be a, a impact player at the play again because he was hitting good you know he was hitting like 305 or something like that but at that time he got like I don't know maybe nine homers or something like that 20 something RBIs what he's done after that being in a different positions in the lineup he was hitting second one day third they put him in the four hole when they need him you know, guys start getting healthy. Rhea Muto got back. He went back to the three-hole. So f- for him to put the numbers that he put on so far is impressive. And the guy never takes days off. So that's why I feel like Harper got my vote today for the, for the best player in the National League. You have an MVP vote? Because that one's going to be a tough one, right? We've got Burns. We've got Scherzer. We've got Bueller. All those guys, Gossman's had a great year, although he's yeah. fallen off a little bit lately. Do you have a favorite? For the, for the Cy Young, you say, not mm-hmm. MVP. Sorry, Cy Young. No, for the Cy Young, I, w- I will give it to, uh, to Chercer again. You know, I think, uh, I mean, he just got to 3,000 strikeouts career. He's going to strike out more than 250 maybe for the year. I don't, I don't know the number, but I mean, what he's been able to do since he went to LA, um, I think seven and all with one point some ERA, uh, 
almost threw an, an, a perfect game the other day, finishing strong, two something ERA for the year. Um, I think he got the best like FIP, you know, balls in play. Um, like if you take away the 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 errors and all that stuff, I think he's the best at that as well. I I think it's I mean it's been it's been amazing. Well, I don't think you'd want to face any of those guys I just mentioned. No. I, I, have you even faced Burns? Yeah, I faced Burns early in the year, and his cutter was disgusting. That's that that fastball that cuts like that, and he got a little slider and curvo going through that, going with that. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a a fun a fun uh, series against Milwaukee, to be honest with you. It was Burns. It was a uh, Hauser guy who throw like 90, 95 mile per hour sinkers, and then uh, Peralta, and then uh, what is the name of the other guy? Woodruff. Woodruff. Yeah. Oh, oh, disgusting. I think the best, the best rotation in the big leagues right now. Right. Yeah. There. It wouldn't shock me if at the end of the day, you know, the fall classics up there in Milwaukee. Would not surprise me, man. That pitching plus the back end with Williams and Hader. Oh, yeah. And they've got other guys that just, you know, all have their role in the bullpen. Right. Really interesting. All right. I know it's a game day. I appreciate your time. I'm going to spin the wheel of moderately interesting things. Let's do it. A couple new categories. Let's see what we got. That was a good one for you. What are you going to Only fans. Only fans. No, don't worry. What? No, no, no. Hey, d- d- settle down. I know you're family, man. Settle okay. down. All right. What's your favorite sports team outside of the Miami Marlins? Don't pick Don't pick that. Is there one that you root for in any sport? Uh, I think got to be the – it's got to be the Lakers. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a basketball fan, you know, like uh, – it's been a, it's been a while since I li- really locked in on a, on a, like a full season or something like that. Uh-huh. But I, I feel I feel like I play in LA, you know, and uh, I I got the opportunity to uh, to watch Kobe play over there, mm. you know, and uh, it was fun, you know, it was fun, and I, I always liked that team back in the day when uh, Chuck, Kobe, uh, Fisher, and all those guys played together there. Oh, I love it, man, and I feel like I I keep rooting for the team, like thinking about. You know that time, so I I, I haven't really followed uh, like the whole season. Like I say, you know, like I always see like whatever you know uh, the Golden State did for a couple of years, and mm-hmm. uh, the Cavaliers did with uh, with LeBron, and then coming back to Miami and all that kind of stuff. But uh, uh, I think the Lakers will be the team that I that's, that I say, hey, I will be a fan. We'll get a a jersey, and I will go to the games and root for them. Well, that's not – and all those guys are older than you, by the way, that are playing for them now, basically. Yep. There you go. You, you could be the, the young pup. If you signed a one-year deal with the Lakers, you'd be like the eighth oldest guy at 32. <laughs> yeah. You know, a bunch of old dudes there. Old dudes there. Yeah. Um, so I know you're traveling after right after the season, right? You're going to go, yeah, go I'm see gonna, family. I'm, I'm excited because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go see my mom. Great. Uh, after a long time, I, I'm excited. I'm gonna. I'm planning my my trip uh, right now, and I want to go there and I want to spend quality time with her, you know. And then uh, I'm gonna take my family on vacations as well. Good. Um, so I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to take some time off and then go back to it. 
All right. Well, uh, you know, Rose Rotation listeners and viewers would love to know if you're going to say hello during the playoffs. Can we? Uh... 100%. Whatever I am, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep my computer with me. So uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm 100% sure that it's, this is not going to be the last time that I'm going to see Great. you guys uh, throughout this outlet. I love and it. Uh, looking forward, looking forward to see uh, what the playoffs are going to look like this year. Uh, knowing that I have the little experience last year, plus the one with the Dodgers. And I, I think it should be really fun. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And there's a lot of good teams. There's a lot of good pitching. And there's going to be a lot of good storylines. So listen, yeah. uh, thank you for an amazing regular season run. And uh, it will not stop. We'll keep pushing through in October. But I want you to get your family time in. I want you to go see Mama, which yeah. is great. And finish up strong. Oh, thank you, Chris. And uh, you know, uh, to finish up, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity. Uh, John Boy Media, thank you for uh, getting me on board. Chris, thank you for texting me a year or something ago uh, with, this, uh, with this idea of having me on board. I really appreciate that you uh, are a, a lot of guys that play in the big leagues. Give me this opportunity to, uh, for the people to know a little bit more about me, about my career. And not just me, but uh, my team and the Marlins. You know, uh, thank you for putting the Marlins on the, you know, on the, on the planet and uh, of baseball, which is really nice. And uh, hopefully, you guys enjoy every single story that that we share. But I really appreciate the the opportunity to be here with you. You kidding me? You don't have to thank me, dude. It's it's an honor. It is really an honor to have you in so many levels, uh, and mostly because you're just a great dude. You're a really good human. Thank and you very much, brother. I always love talking with you, and then I want to go kick myself afterwards because I'm not. <laughs> but it's oh, all good. So listen, finish up. Uh, go say hi to your family for me. I will. And uh, go travel safely back to Venezuela as well once the season is done. And we'll catch up during the postseason if that sounds good. Sounds good, Chris. Thank you very much, man. You got Appreciate it. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in here on the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media.